A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event campus around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rul Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. All right. Welcome to Hira Indian. Thanks, Reed. Uh, it's been a while. You were a guest on our podcast before the podcast was a podcast. That seems right, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember you had just completed, you were in the midst of designing BC Tech. Um, wow. Quite a few years ago. That was the way back to the way back. So I think yes. we used that. I mean, we used the canvas for three years, but we did it starting in for 2016, 17, 18, so long ago. Exactly. So today is the 17th of May, 2023. We're one week out from IMAX in Frankfurt. Um, of which Tahira and Dean, if you haven't come across Tahira in this industry, I don't know where you've been, um, but you must have come across her someplace, somewhere, uh, because she is perpetually traveling all over the planet. Her background, uh, you know, now she's the head of programming at IMAX, but she's also a book author, uh, having authored the intentional event design book, The Professional Opportunity. You're an instructor at BCIT, which you've done for quite a couple of years. You were the head of events at um, SITE for almost four years. And what we were just talking about was this BC Innovation Council, this BC Tech Summit that you did um, in the Vancouver, British Columbia area, which is, I think, where you're based here. Is that correct? I am based in Vancouver, but you know, it's when you travel 150 days a year, it's just nice to have a good home base to come home to. And a garden that may or may not get watered this summer. We'll see how it goes. Awesome. So Tahira, a good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave that to chance? Absolutely not. Uh, I'm going to take that back. Absolutely. Sometimes, yes. And that's what serendipity is all about. But that is a different conversation than today. So I think that there is... The most important reason that we have events is to have conversations. So as much as we, you know, all leaned into our virtual conversations uh, during the pandemic, um, when we could not travel, we were sure excited to get back to having opportunities to meet face-to-face. -face. I feel like we said we were gonna come back better as an industry and do things differently. And now having been to dozens of events since I started traveling again in August of 2021. I'm not sure how many events I've been to, but I've been on more than 70 airplane rides. So it's a good indication, quite a few events. Uh, and we really haven't done a good job of coming back better. We have come back in many ways the same. First, we came back wearing masks, which made conversation more challenging. And then we 
are coming back, you know, some people are still masked because that's how they're more comfortable and that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have to lean in a little closer sometimes to, you know, get through the muffling that does happen with that. But more importantly, when we leave things to chance entirely, hoping that people will meet, uh, it's generally not that successful. And here's what happens. I'm going to give you two examples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one of them was actually, there was an article that um, came out uh, at MeetingsNet and uh, a woman um, from the meeting planner from the American Psychological Association said, you know, we were doing a terrible job with trade shows and the new generation was had zero interest in trade shows and nobody was going to go to them anymore and then nobody wanted to meet that way. And when we looked at it, you know, when I looked at it as an individual, I thought, yeah, there's things that don't really work, but there's things that we can do really well. And when we looked at it through the lens of IMAX, what we looked at is what are all of the reasons that we host a huge trade show and that we bring buyers and partners and speakers and industry representatives from around the world together. Mm-hmm. And it's for conversation. Mm-hmm. And when we looked at, you know, what does that mean? Well, you know, in, in the olden days of IMAX, you had to, as a buyer, if you were hosted, come and have a set number of appointments. And that changed years ago. Mm-hmm. And now it's always been about, you know, have the meetings that are going to make the most sense for you to have. Huh. As somebody who is, you know, people who see me would probably think I'm quite extroverted, but I'm not. Um, and there's nothing that gives me more anxiety than going up and just talking to somebody. When you walk into a room of 100 people, that you don't know, I don't find that comfortable. Some people, that's their happy place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I like having appointments because it means I have a purpose in going. And when I have a purpose in going, then it's easier for me to first walk up to the booth and second to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. So that was one important thing. But even if you don't have an appointment, just knowing that you have a reason to be there, which is actually to meet other people and to have conversations about the industry we're in, Mm. that makes it more purposeful in having a conversation Mm. when you can go to a workshop or sit down for education um, or even just meet somebody in a lineup for one of those fantastic Colombian coffees as an example, Mm -hmm. you know that you're there for a shared reason Mm -hmm. and it's easier to start a conversation. Even if that conversation is about how good that cappuccino is going to be. On the flip side of that, if you're not purposeful or intentional about the design of things, you're not going to have a good experience. So one of the other things that I've recently done, which is super exciting for me, is after going to school once a week for two years, um, we've just finished our master's uh, in creativity and change leadership. And that was very fun uh, to do. And the process was great. Our cohort was amazing. The learning was fantastic. If I never do another APA reference in my life, I will be fine with that. Um, part of that journey for me was, you know, looking at different kinds of events I wanted to attend. And so I attended such an event, um, earlier this year in Italy, which Mm -hmm. shall remain unnamed. Um, but here's was my experience. So I, got to the event a day early. I looked in the app. I saw that there was some dinners happening. And so I joined one of the dinners. Fantastic experience. Some of the most wonderful people had an excellent time. Never saw them again. 
when I got up the next morning, I went for a nice walk around the beautiful Lake Como. And then I went to the event, mm-hmm. which was in a beautiful old theater. And I walked up and there was, you know, the normal amount of volunteers in pink t-shirts milling about and two doors you could go in, no signage indicating which door. So I just chose the door to the right because that is how humans move is to the right. And I went in, there was obviously a registration desk there. And so I went to the desk and they said, oh, do you have your QR code? And I said, no, but I can look it up. And they said, oh, we can just look you up by last name. I mean, why not just go with last name, but let's make it hard for me. Uh, Oh, you're not a VIP. Okay. So what does that mean? Like, I'm not, I'm sorry, you're not at the right desk. Now I go to the, you know, so. You took the wrong door. So I sort of, you know, shuffle out feeling slightly awkward, go in the other door, Mm -hmm. go through the same QR code, you know, name process, and then give me a wristband. All right. I'm at a business conference. I am not at a music festival. So what I actually would like to have (laughs) is a name badge Mm -hmm. for me that would let other people know who I am. And that then other people would have name badges. So I would know who they were. And that we were at the same event and perhaps we would have a commonality for talking. So without any sort of direction in about half an hour-ish till it was going to start, I went into the foyer space, which was quite small because it's an older theater and didn't want to buy a t-shirt. So I just was like, okay, so people at this point are seeing people that they know. And so there's that nice energy of people seeing people they know. I don't know anybody at this event. I'm assuming because they're all inside. And presumably I'll have wristbands on under their jackets mm-hmm. that we're all here for the same reason, but don't really, you know, find anything. Notice a cute couple taking a picture in front of the media wall. Um, I go outside where, again, there's people milling about who I'm presuming are with us. But again, they're all sort of meeting and greeting. And so I don't really want to budge into one of those conversations. And so now we go inside and it, the registration was done where you actually had a specific seat, section mm-hmm. three, seat D, row four, whatever. So I'm like, okay, so I go down. Well, there's nothing that says this is section three. So eventually I find my seat. Eventually I meet the people around me, mm-hmm. meet the cute couple who had been taking the picture. And I was like, oh, I noticed you were wearing the same shoes. They're like, oh yeah, we were, we are. We have there are these barefoot shoes and we're really into health and we just find them. So we had a conversation about that met the nice people from Finland, met the nice people from America. So now it's like, okay, so this is going to be amazing content. Fantastic, wonderful, smartest people in the world who've written all the books, pages of notes, content. Six o'clock comes. Now we've been sitting for three hours. All right, speakers and VIPs, your transportation to your very special super duper evening is waiting outside. And for the rest of you, we hope you made a reservation because Lake Como is very busy. Good night. See you tomorrow morning. So everything about that experience was designed to make sure that I didn't have conversations with anybody mm-hmm. and that it was awkward for me to do everything mm-hmm. and that I was uncomfortable for the entire time. So I have lots of notes and very few connections. The irony is the theme of that conference was connection. Uh-huh. So I was like, here's all of the things that you could do. There was no coffee, no tea, no water. We can't have it in the theater. Yeah, but we're grownups. We could finish our coffee before we go into the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next morning's break, they said, okay, so just go out into the into the square and you'll find a coffee at a nearby cafe. Had they just given everybody a pink, a green, an orange chit 
for a prepaid cappuccino or gelato. What a different experience for probably eight euros for the entire event we mm -hmm. all could have had instead of wandering hopelessly around to come back late for the session starting, of course. So, you know, there's just, there's so many little design things you can do along the way that are not just like use the mobile app to connect, which is ridiculous. Um, it's a great place to find an agenda, but it's, we all know we've been to hundreds of events now with apps. Mm -hmm. um, that's not the best place to connect. It's possibly mm -hmm. a good start. So, you know, there's just, there's so many things that we can do to intentionally find ways to create connection. That's all. <laughs> so that experience where you say those conversations were left to chance, right? Uh, hmm. Or I think the, every truth <laughs> and its opposite truth illustrate a point, right? And I think, uh, um, as you mentioned, um, it's interesting when you go through experiences that are missing the mark or that have a ton of opportunity to do what they are intended to do, uh, make that connection, um, that through the designer's eyes, it all looks very obvious. And a lot of the people listening to this podcast are probably into some form of design or event design or experience design. Um, so it's like kicking against the sore leg when that experience is mismatched with the actual theme of what you're supposed to be experiencing, especially when you've traveled halfway across the planet to be there um, on an adventure to discover events, because I know that's part of what you do. You're an event explorer and a, a, um, um, like you want to see the peaks, but also maybe the troughs of events in order to improve and work on the designs that you're working on intentionally with your book. Now, in order to um, give the other participants that have been on this podcast before, but also yourself kind of that next horizon, we always ask the question, what's currently on your horizon of change when you're looking out the window? Now I'm looking out the window here. I can see some hills across the street. Um, what's currently on your horizon of change? There's just so much excitement coming. So, you know, I have had the opportunity to create so many wonderful things in 30 years of doing events. Um, you know, I loved building the tech summit and watching that grow. I, um, you know, had such a good time building out the events for site and watching us just exponentially change the education for those. Um, somewhere in the middle of that, I thought it was a good idea to go back to school and get a master's, which was ridiculous. Honestly, I don't know what I was thinking, but having now, you know, completed that journey, what a wonderful journey to be on and to have just an, a whole additional set of tools in my toolkit of, mm -hmm. of change management. Um, and, you know, understand e even more clearly the business language and reasons why, you know, change and culture are important. It's something that I understood, I think, intuitively for a long time mm -hmm. and really built on, but to have more science behind it, to have, you know, stacks more books <laughs> about, you know, these kinds of topics um, that you can just always pull nuggets from yeah. is really fun. So there'll be, be a second book. I went back last Christmas or the Christmas of 2021 going into 2022 when we were starting to shift back into live events and you know, my entire bubble was down with COVID except for me. 
So I went back and I was like, oh, this book is going to suck. It's going to be, it's not going to be relevant anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, so I started going back through it all. And what I realized is I wrote a really good book in a very <laughs> un-Canadian girl, <laughs> humble way. Um, I was like, you know what? It already talks about how to do virtual and hybrid events and digital events. It talks about the changing roles that we have in our industry. It looks at why design is important. The whole first chapter is about why I did my CED and why it matters. Um, you know, I look at how does a brain show up at an event and how we can do seating better. And so what I ended up doing was just adding in eight pages on like 2022 colon, like very specific information on things that we had learned that we would probably need to start to implement in our events. Yeah. Um, and so it was really satisfying to do that. And I remembered how much I like writing. I was still too busy at that time to write anything other than what I was writing for school. So there will be a second yeah. book. Um, and it will be about culti cultivating happiness uh, using live events um, and happiness being uh, feeling productive and feeling connected and feeling a sense of belonging, not mm -hmm. an emoji. Yeah. So that will be um, that's what's on the horizon for me, um, along with um, just creating some really disrupting some content um, with IMEX, uh, which they're very supportive of. So we have a brand new CMO who you'll meet this week. Bill um, just started on Monday. <laughs> so <laughs> go easy on him at the show. Um, but he comes to us with a really great wealth of uh, knowledge and brand experience and, um, and an openness to trying things, which of course, anybody who knows IMEX knows that it's, you know, there's certain design constraints that we have. Um, but we're really open to topics and conversations and finding even more ways for people to be able to balance. Um, you know, I think you talked to Ollie already and one of the things, of course, they've added is a workspace, yeah. realizing that as much as, you know, we want people to just only talk to people at the show, sometimes you actually do need to do work. So it's easier if you can do that on the show floor and just get that out of the way and then go back to doing what you really came for, which is to, have the opportunity to to really meet and go and you know do some good deep networking mm -hmm. and learn some things yeah. um and then we're just having some amazing conversations um and have some new people coming i mean a session where you start out by screaming hello let's try that <laughs> um i was like maybe we should not do that on the show floor <laughs> i feel like that's not the best idea but um you know, somebody who runs an experienced design school who even knew there was an experienced design school. Like, that's amazing to me. So I'm excited to have Pagal there, um, you know, but then also to take advantage of that knowledge. And so, you know, there's some people coming that will take some time with the operations team and will walk through the show floor and look at it through a different lens, yeah. you know. So what I appreciate and what will keep me interested in, you know, the my role at IMEX is that, it is always about shifting and evolving um, and being better at what we do and creating more opportunities for people. So I just think it's, you know, there's, it's going to be fun to do that. It sounds like an exciting horizon of change. Uh, writing a book is whilst you're doing all of the, all of those other fun things, like you were mentioning, because it's not just the trade show in Frankfurt, but also the one in uh, Las Vegas that takes place in, October. It is. If you haven't heard of IMAX, look at the liner notes. 
You may have heard other people, like you were just mentioning, Ollie Bailey was just on our podcast uh, very recently, uh, talking a little bit about you know the design changes over time, even in the post-COVID times of what what's happening in the programming that you're doing. There are there's so much programming that's going on. What was it? Something like 150 sessions, or what? Did I get there that right? Yeah, there's about 150 that we program, and then there's and work with our the partners and our associations and voice for all and she means business and those kinds of groups um, that are on the inspiration hub and then of course there's also going to be education that you'll find uh, with different booths on the show floor so yeah there's lots of things to learn from and I think that that's it's also easy the way that we've been able to so we have a new platform this year so the way that we've been able to tag things Mm -hmm. so you can really hone in on your specific interests as well yeah much more easily than we've been able to do in the past so but it's, yeah, I mean, it's really whether people are looking for something that is super personal, like the session on menopause and I'm, they gave it a better name, but when, so we have a two-part session where Kit's leading the first part and then we have a gentleman, David Cray, joining us. I called it mansplaining menopause, but I was like, you need a better name. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, but again, that idea that it doesn't just happen to us, it happens to also to the people around us and you know, but, and that's a deeply personal topic, but it's something that's also real for 50% of the population in the world at some point in your life. So why aren't we talking about that? Um, You know, to experience design, some really cool event marketing, and of course, sessions on AI and what's happening, that rapidly changing chat GPT and how that's affecting us. So I feel like we have a lot of, um, again, just there's anybody who wants to find something that they need to learn about right now for our industry, I feel like they're going to be able to find it. So it's um, going to be fun. I like the, I like the, um, the fact that there's so much happening at the same time. At the same time, I always miss most of it because, you know, we're going to have 27 activations. We're going to design the world education Congress whilst we're there. Um, we're going to be doing these very podcasts live from IMAX, which is always really thrilling to hear the difference between, you know, the, the focus we can have when we are uh, just each behind our microphone in our little, you know, private bubbles, uh, whilst having a little audio bubble on the trade show floor, also creates a very different dynamic. So it's uh, it's exciting to to see to see those different versions. Um, talking about that, um, we have two options that I'd like to propose to you uh, in terms of how we proceed. I can either take you down the horizons of change with a couple of questions. Or we could spin the wheel um, and see where we end up um, uh, when we spin the wheel. Which one would it be for you? Obviously the wheel. Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's spin that wheel. Here we go. Let's see where we end up. Ooh. Perspectives. Excellent. So perspectives is actually the second chapter in the Design to Change book. And um, perspectives are always interesting. Um, It's a way of looking at things. And um, I'm going to prompt you with a couple of questions to see what, um, what your answers are going to be. First question is, what recent conversation did you have, maybe that you left to chance, that you wish you could redo? What were some of the characteristics of that conversation? 
trivia question. I <laughs> feel like I have a propensity to want to share um, more my response quite often to somebody's challenge if they are sharing something with me is probably to share more than I than they might want to hear. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So um, I was a hairstylist before I was an event planner. Um, one of the things that that has taught me is to be a vault. <laughs> So, you know, if somebody shares something with me, it's their story. Um, if there's permission given to share that story, not widely, obviously, um, I may if the situation arises, but otherwise I get people sharing a lot of things. Um, and I sometimes go into the phase of wanting to just provide more support probably, like I said, then sometimes they just want to, someone to listen and to not say anything. So I think that there was, I probably had three or four of those conversations in the last week where probably people wanted to, me just to listen, mm -hmm. but I feel compelled to help, help. <laughs> so, um, I think that that is part of my um, learning journey of life is to just nod and smile and not offer any sage words of wisdom from my vast repertoire of pain survived. <laughs> Yeah. So if you bring this into the event arena, um, from a perspective of risk and reward, right? So you, you obviously select a lot of content, you create programming, you design events. Um, how do you address risk and reward with your event owner when you're having that next conversation with them? So I think that we always have the opportunity to look at everything that we're offering and really just have open conversations about it. And it just it really, it's that one word is communication. So when we look at something, it is about saying, you know, why does this matter? And if we can't answer, why does it matter to our audience? Then we probably shouldn't be doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and if we can say, this is why, we think this is beneficial, then there's a good reason we should move forward with it. You know, I just talked about the menopause session, you know, it's, that's not something that we're talking about in a lot of events no. or none. Um, but when we look at the risk and reward, what's the risk? Somebody doesn't want to hear about it. What's the reward? Somebody who needs to talk about it can talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a very obvious um, one to be able to move forward with. Mm -hmm. um, but there's other things that um, might not make the most sense to talk about. Um, so it, we all, we're always looking at, you know, with every, we have so many submissions that come in that are excellent sessions by probably great presenters, but there's also the constraint of only so much time and only, and we say 150 sessions, there's probably 400 sessions to choose from. Yeah. So we do have to look at each one as it's going to fit for the audience. And then if you're talking about, uh, because you guys always have um, a specific Q 
duration. I mean, the question, why does it matter is one of them, right? So um, the theme for the upcoming edition versus the previous edition, how does that change your filter when you're asking that question? So the previous years were nature, and mm -hmm. then this year we flipped it to human nature. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for a long time, the focus was when it was nature, the world of events was in a very good place. Mm -hmm. When we came back to events, we know that people are struggling more. We're talking about it more openly. Um, we have a talent shortage. We have an industry that is the most powerful tool to connect people. And so human nature just seemed to make sense um, to lean into. And it has definitely been the filter of everything that we've are adding. You know, it's just, it's, you know, as you said, you're redesigning WEC. We have a triangulation of ideation stations this year. We've never had that other than what you're doing yeah. um, at IMEX, but we'll have what you're doing. Um, anybody who was at, at IMEX in America knows that Encore put on a really great um, break free area space where you walk through this black box and it was very emotional and um, you really left feeling you had things to think about. Mm -hmm. And so we're taking that to the next level and asking people to contribute their ideas and suggestions to some of the world's toughest topics right now. Yeah. Um, and all led by professional facilitators, including Anthony, um, but not exclusive to Anthony, um, to look at different perspectives. And then we have just across from that, we'll have the Google XI co-laboratory, Mm -hmm. which will do very much a paper and post-it um, ideation around belonging. And they'll run quite a few of those sessions throughout the event. So, and it literally isn't a triangle. So it's just, but, you know, that triangle kind of sits around the Inspiration Hub. So you can go to the Inspiration Hub, listen to a session. For example, we have a great session on reimagining travel where mm -hmm. Mariella is bringing in people from the aerospace industry to talk about like, what are we actually doing when air travel is one of our biggest challenges yeah. um, on many levels. Um, mm -hmm. And then from there, they'll be able, people will be able to continue on if they choose to, to the ideation station to continue that conversation about reimagining travel, but to be able to contribute to it in a divergent thinking um, methodology. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be, um, interesting to see what comes out of that. But again, it's about what's the risk and the re reward. So we try ideations. If they work, great, we'll probably continue them. Um, mm -hmm. If they don't work, which I would be endlessly surprised by, then we'll shift them. But at the end of the day, as much as we as humans want to listen and learn things, we also have ideas and want to contribute those ideas. And so we want to give people places to do that i love that there's so much brain power at imax from this one concentrated so industry um i remember last year and the year before we had a had a design to change challenge to see if you could actually design whilst you're at the trade show doing business and actually activate your brain for good right which here i think we're looking at so many different perspectives from so many people um coming literally from across the globe right coming together wanting to connect and do business, let's be honest, at the end of the day, it's a business trade show where people Absolutely. have supply and demand meet, um, but they also have their challenges in, um, in trying to make 
uh, chocolate out of the state of the world and the things that they're doing uh, with their own events. Um, well, when we look at supply and demand, I was at the Events Industry Council meeting two weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and they put out, you know, they talked about the quarterly report um, that is out right now. So they didn't did, have done a economic impact report, which they hadn't done one since 2018. So there's an economic impact report, yeah. but they're also doing quarterly updates. And mm-hmm. depending on the region of the world that you're in, you know, RFPs for business are up anywhere from 102% was kind of a median low over 2019, up to 176% for some regions mm-hmm. over 2019 levels. So, you know what, there is a lot of demand, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then we have the added challenge of we have a lot of demand. Um, we have rising costs where the budgets haven't risen. And then we have a talent shortage when you go to deliver. So we are, you know, in this perfect storm in our industry of how do we continue to create and design for change in a world that is strapped for those precious resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are some of the problems that we need to solve. And these are some of the problems that we're looking at, you know, as we go into, um, you know, we talk about like the next generation. Well, we've always been purpose driven, I think, in the events industry, but certainly the next generation is as or more vocally purpose-driven. So we need to be creating things that are going to attract them and retain them in our industry because we're able to deliver on that value alignment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of really interesting conversations to be had. So I know for a fact you took your daughter to a recent event, right? To I to did. see about, you know, how are these generations intersecting? And it's 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 fascinating to see that. Um, I had the opportunity to bring my son to IMAX last year for the first time and to WC and to a couple of other events because he wanted yeah. to see the world but yeah. didn't have the budget. So I said, go to Hall 8 at IMAX and you can see the whole world in one hall, right? Um, what were some of the learnings that you had about seeing an event through your daughter's eyes, if I may ask? That's, that's quite a personal question, but... I love this question. Um, when... So the first event Julia worked on was WEC 2010 in Vancouver, where her and her brother manned Mm. the lemonade stand. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, when the client for that event said, we think it'd be great to have your kids at the lemonade stand. I was like, I'll be kind of busy. They're like, oh, bring Greg. I was like, what? (laughs) You know, and so that day, the night before Julia, 10 years old, said, mom, I really want to come in and help you set up your event. And I was like, oh, honey, no, that's a terrible idea. Like, you know, but she convinced me it was a good idea. And so she you know, gets up with me at six o'clock in the morning, not a natural time for any 10 year old to get up. And we're driving in and she's under her blanket and her pillow. And she's like, mom, so who's in charge of this event today? I was like, oh, honey, that's me. So... <laughs> and she was a star, you know, it's like the great thing about having a 10 year old is you can say, run over there and give Rude this instruction and then come back and tell me that you've delivered that message. Yeah. If I see adults running in an event, very bad. Yeah. If I see a 10 year old running, it's okay. <laughs> um, you know, and then the other part members of the team at the time, um, you know, came by in the afternoon. We had all hands on deck from the DMC Cantrev at the time working on setting up the event. We had our accountant was setting, you know, I mean, we were all there. It was all one big happy family, but yeah, you know, they took her out for lunch and got her ice cream and she came back and worked the lemonade stand. And, you know, and over the years, they, both of them um, have, you know, 
been registration desk staff. They've helped me build kids activities and run kids activities. And so they um, obviously haven't done that for a few years because we didn't have events. And so this year, Julia said, oh, I have my reading break in February. You should take me somewhere. And I was just like, yeah, you can come to New York and work with me. <laughs> so we did that. And yeah. um, so she was worked the registration desk and, you know, and her perspectives on the event are always very, she's very insightful, you know? And so it was, you know, just for everything about from the organization to the people that she met to the sort of the whole experience, um, which was an excellent experience for her. Um, We had to add, so I was supporting site um, on education and getting all of that just, you know, because we'd spent four years building it. So that was sort of my last thing that I was finishing up with them. And Mm -hmm. we had to add sessions because there was so many people coming in, you know, went above 800 people. And we realized that there was just a couple of time bands where there wasn't actually enough seats, which meant we had to have more education. And so one of the sessions I added was called Running As Fast As We Can. And so we had Etta from a working mother perspective and Ken from Ireland on his um, amazing wellness journey he's been on. Um, And I thought, I just really want somebody who can really talk about the science of health. And and then I was like, oh, well, Julie has just finished a five-year health and science degree so um, I will ask so I asked Edda and Ken if they if she could join them and they were like yeah of course and so they so she said oh I did my speaker call I said oh how was it and she said oh it's really good they're so nice and she said you know we started talking about how we were gonna you know kind of manage the session and they weren't really sure so then she's just like here's my idea and like rolls it out and they both just burst out laughing and so she's like oh like feeling a bit awkward kids are laughing they're like no no first your mother organizes us <laughs> you it's know, called so the art the of initiative taking falling. right yeah <laughs> the apple does not fall far from the tree certainly in this case and so I didn't go into the session until the very end but I went into the session sort of in the middle it was a dialogue den is meant to you know inspire a lot of conversation and have it be a really very interactive session of people sharing their ideas their questions their concerns you know whatever it might be about their um health and wellness and Mm -hmm. things through the event and so we um about halfway through, somebody stood up and said, you know, I am just really struggling right now because I've just left my two kids at home for 11 days and I'm feeling really not, you know, guilty about that. And, you know, so then Etta answered as the working mother. And then Julia said, you know, would you like the kid perspective? And everyone's like, yeah, we, we really would. So you know, probably about maybe 15 or 20% of the room knew it was my daughter, but not, nobody else, you know, not everybody did. And so she just said, you know, um, you know, like my, my parents are, you know, really quite busy all the time working. And, you know, my mom is an event producer and she didn't say who it was, just that my mom is an event producer. And so she said, you know, so what I really found is that over the years, it's, um, uh, you know, we've had uh, tons of amazing experiences because of that. But it's also sometimes, you know, they work really hard and sometimes it could be like, an 80 hour work week, or it could be that, you know, my mom was away for like a month working on the Olympics and, you know, when we were little and, you know, but I don't, she said, what I mostly feel is just, I really feel like I have a really great work ethic because of what they modeled and I feel really inspired by what they do. Yeah. And then my phone blew up. 
So anybody in the session who knew that Julia was my daughter were just like, yeah. oh my God, wow, <laughs> you know, so, um, which is, you know, we spend our whole lives feeling guilty about being working parents and the things we're missing or the things we're not doing. Yeah. And to know that in the end, it's probably okay mm-hmm. <laughs> um, was very um I don't really have a word for it, actually, you know, and then at the end of the session, um, you know, and again, this was a session really to talk about the mental health and physical well-being of participants and ourselves. Hmm. Um, when they closed out the session, I went in for the end of the session and saw it being really interactive, which was really fantastic and hmm. was sitting with a another colleague. And um, so they're closing in the closing comments. Um, you know, they talked a bit about the beginning about setting intentions and, you know, uh, making really a plan for your life, but also for your day and to, mm-hmm. you know, be able to have um, some gratitude and those, those types of things um, that they were all, you know, working to practice. And they, you know, when your daughter closes the session by saying, you know, I just really want to remind all of you that your leaders in your industry and your leaders in your organizations and it's important to be modeling the behavior that we want from the people that we work with and to make space for mental health and to know that it's okay to have bad days and to be supported through those. And if you model that from yourself, then your team is gonna know that it's also okay for them and that they'll be supported. And I was just like, my heart grew two sizes because you know you work your whole life to try to teach teach lessons um, and to see that something stuck that's so positive is very satisfying. And again, that's the power of events, you know, for a room full of people to hear that from a 22 year old, they'll remember that. Oh yeah. Um, And it's not just the expression you hear from them, but her expressing it to a group of people in a semi, yeah, it's not anonymous, but it is, it's out there, right? It's it's yeah. words that are being said that it might be hard to say one on one. Um, that then, like that that collective thought with those distinct people in the room. Um, I was t- I was talking to Ferdinando Buscema, who I think you know also love him. Yeah, our magician. So, you know, <laughs> back in back in Montreux at site, we we got to hang out a little bit um, at the European summit. And in a recent podcast I recorded with him, he he spoke of this concept that I keep having a hard time pronouncing in English, but in in French it's called egregore. So I think the English is egregore, or I I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but it's interesting to listen to that explanation of that concept, because I think what you're addressing here, especially through the the generational gap, but also the, the behavior modeling, but also the ability to be... um here it's 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 actually a concept from the ancient greek philosophers uh who call it you know to be wakeful in a state with other people in a similar state which is i think exactly what julia then kind of addressed right it's that you know is it the elephant in the room or is it the thing that everybody kind of thinks about but doesn't really speak about but at the end of the day it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where the behavior modeling that you've demonstrated as a parent and the enthusiasm your kids now have as a result of it because of your um, achievements therein or because they want to be part of what you do, they want to understand, right? They seek to understand. I think that's a very powerful 
uh, learning method without it, you know, it's very intentional, but it's not like explicit, right? It's very implicit in how it like yeah. bubbles up after many, many years of clustered experiences. Um, I don't think I met Julia at the lemonade stand in Vancouver in 2010. <laughs> uh, although that's the place I think where we first met face to face, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, in Vancouver at the World Education Congress. Uh, the one thing we didn't speak about here, which we used to speak about a lot, was the event camp series that one of them you hosted in Vancouver. I think yes. you've always been pioneering with the event designs and with not just talking about them, but also doing them, right? So I think one of the things I really like about uh, the work that you do is that you think about it, you talk about it, but usually you do it first and then you talk about it, right? So it's not just talk, talk, which there's a lot of talk and some people don't really do. And I think uh, that combo is one that's always impressed me in terms of how you are able to uh, take a leap of faith, try something, figure out what it does, then describe it and then decode how it actually, maybe instinctively you knew that it was going to work, but you couldn't really put your finger on it. And you did it, wrote it down. And I think the white paper you wrote back in the day, well, let's add the link to this one because it might seem like a relic from a past decade, but it's still very applicable, right? Um, and so- um, well, I think that, that the white paper was, um, I kind of forgot about that actually, but it was, um, I didn't want to forget the lessons we learned, you know, because yeah. there were so many things because we did, we just, we broke stuff and we tried stuff and, um, you know, and much of it, it much of it did work, um, which was really cool. And I think that that's, you know, people always say, you know, I think, you know, I, you know, both of us are on this path of design, prototype, test, prototype, test. Um, but it's, you know, people say, well, I can't, you know, I can't convince my boss to do this or that. And it's not about convincing. I think it's don't try to change everything all at once. Like just look at what's one thing you can change to improve the participant experience and change that. And then what's the next thing that you can do? You know, and it's really simple things. Like I just talked to earlier about my hideous registration wristband experience. Hmm. So the two opposites to that. So, you know, people were just at um, the TED conference in Vancouver and, um, you know, Nicola was like, oh my gosh, it was so amazing. Like I came in and when I walked in, they knew who I was and they were just like, hello, Nicola, it's so great that you're here. And then I walked up the stairs and someone handed me my package with my badge. And it's just, it's a very simple facial recognition technology. Yeah. So we have that. We've had it for a long time. We just haven't necessarily been using it. You know, so I think that, you know, we have these tools to use mm -hmm. and so we can just be using them. Um, you know, when we did the technology summit in Vancouver in 2018 or 2017, hmm. all people were getting was a name badge. They weren't getting anything else. And so I just said, you know, instead of people having to come up and having people on the opposite side of the desk, I said, I want one person behind the desk and one person in front of the desk. And so when I walk up and I say, I'm Tahira, they hand the badge to the staff and the staff hands it to me without a barrier between us. Yeah. And what a difference that made for people's experience. Smallest thing. I still have two people doing registration. <laughs> that wouldn't have changed. But now I've just given the participant a friendlier welcome. And so I think, you know, we can do these little tiny shifts, 
and um, which, are, which are very small interventions from a logistics perspective right but yeah. they're as old as the road to to rome so to say i mean my favorite chocolate shop here in switzerland is called springli and i don't know if they do it when you hit a certain threshold of buying chocolate and then they walk around the desk <laughs> to hand you the little bag but it seems like this is their tradition or their culture in how they yeah. you know offer you the product not from behind the desk but actually walk around it and hand it to you and then have to, you know, the proximity creates a very different kind of contact, right? So I think um, there's so much in the smallness of these gestures, but in the bigness of their humanity that I, I'm, I'm really glad IMAX is putting that into play, even at a huge trade show, right? How many people come to IMAX normally in a normal year? Like 10,000-ish. So imagine 10,000 people together, right, in this big hall, eight and hall nine, um, and having to think about human nature and design it into the program. Well, this is the kind of thing that Tahira and the team at IMAX do day in, day out. Uh, you know, and it's, I'd, I'd love to say that, you know, I mean, I, I'm happy to say that there's so much that everybody does. You know, there's an accessibility yeah. guide that's out this year for the first time. So yeah. they've always thought about accessibility, but now there's now it's written down. Yeah. Um, and now every one of those elements is being looked at for America. How can we improve every one of those? You know, what else do we need to add? Like, it's never going to be perfect, but we're trying, you yeah. know, and I think that it's in the trying. And so there's, you know, it's whether it is uh, the other thing that they've done a ton of work around um, and a ton of partner work with is the food. And so you're going to see, you know, the food and beverage experience um, continuing to evolve. So again, it's there's always going to be things that people are going to think we should do more of or someone should do more of. But you know that to know that how much I know how much thought and work goes into it, and um, and that it doesn't stop, right? So it's about and it's thinking about how does the food and beverage affect the participant experience? Yeah. Can I get healthy food? Can I get my vegan gluten-free dairy-free whatever i need and can i get it without it being troublesome so um so we're just continuing to to build on those best practices which is amazing last question on perspective um by the way if you're interested in these questions and the answers that others have given to these questions uh you can find those on um, in the notes that we're going to add, because one of the things that here doesn't know yet is that the questions I ask you, I'm also going to send them to you just to fill out in staccato. So we have a little written recap of it that we can add to your comments. The last question is, what question would you ask to see it like they do? They being maybe the person that has a completely opposing view from your view. Right? Sometimes you have this wild idea where you want to do something in a certain way and might be an event owner or somebody that is, has a completely opposing view, what question would you ask them to see it like they do? It's, I mean, does it need to be more complicated than what would you like to see? You know, I think it's, um, it's really easy to make assumptions um, and it's really, really easy to just do things the way that we've always done them. Yeah. And I think the best example for me was actually just going through my master's program. So, you know, in the, in our cohort, we had just under 20 people and two of us who do events. And then we have a NASA engineer, you know, Ryan, who you've interviewed 
for the podcast who works at Space Command designing experiences for living in space, mm-hmm. um, who we actually just spoke together about experience design at an event last week, which was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, again, different perspectives, right? Um, and we had you know people who teach gifted children and teach art programs and work in marketing and work at colleges. There's a really great, actually, um, so all of our capstone um, papers have now just gone up onto the digital commons as they've been finished. Mm-hmm. And one of them, um, Samantha wrote, she works at a college and they've written a humility guide um, for their college. So what's, how do you lead by example with humility um, to how do you, you know, what's intellectual hum- humility and how is that gonna improve your learning and your instruction? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's for everybody at their college and it's amazing. Um, and they decided to put it up in totality, knowing it's going to evolve, but decided to put it up in totality because they want it to be shared. Um, you know, so I think that when we look at having different perspectives, it's about having respect for other people's opinions and just taking the time to listen, um, and listen without, interrupting listen to ask questions not to offer your opinion and to understand that we all bring different perspectives and they all have value um and at the end of the day our job as the event designers is to listen to a variety of perspectives and then to design an event that is going to meet those expectations and events are jello nothing is ever the same so don't try to flop on um, the same model to things that we're doing. Events are jello. I think that's a new uh, new headline. <laughs> <question>. <laughs> um, I also like that question that you mentioned before. You know, why does it matter? Um, why does it matter to you? Maybe right. Which is, it, it turns yeah. the it turns the emotion or the perspective into a feeling, um, which I think is a really strong one to um, to highlight as well. I'm going to make sure we add that here. Wow. Thank you, Tayera, for hanging out on stage with us. Always fun. Um, I'm going to send you a link so that we can harvest those the the, um, the bullet point answers, which then are part of a repository of the worksheets that others can access with answers from many of the different readers and contributors to the podcast. Uh, one of which I didn't know you also knew. I think he was uh, our guest three or four time, uh, episodes ago, uh, Michael Ackerbauer. Um, he was one of our instructors. Exactly. So yeah. the world is a small place. Um, the world is a small place. Sometimes people you know know each other, and it's always fascinating to discover that um, in hindsight as well. So um, thank you for spending time on stage with us uh, today. Um, I know one week out from IMAX, you must be um, very calm. From IMAX, I'm so happy to have an amazing team that once I do my idea monkey thing, they're just like, give us the ideas and stop talking to people. Um, <laughs> stop generating new ones. <laughs> yes. And so there's, we have an amazing team of people um, yeah. that uh, make all the magic happen. And so mm-hmm. they're already on site. So the build out has started. Um, and I fly tomorrow. Excellent. So it is, it's all happening. Well, I'll see you next week uh, at IMAX. I'm driving up on Sunday to uh, to Frankfurt from Basel. 
Um, it looks like you're still at home now in Vancouver. I am at home in Vancouver. I've been home for, this is my fourth day. Wow. <laughs> a short record, I think, for... Yes, I mean, well, I'm about to start my 20, um, two, 20, no, two months and two months and six days on the road in a carry-on. <laughs> That's awesome. One more question I'm going to ask, which is, um, may we call on you next year at around the same time to check in with you on your horizons of change? Of course. Yeah. Uh, we'll gladly do that. We're going to talk next week again, so we're not going to wait till that time. But uh, for now, this was the onstage part. Thanks for joining us, Tahira. Um, reach out to Tahira. She's awesome. Connect with her if you have more ideas to contribute. And meet us backstage yeah. in just a moment. We'll see you there. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.